Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredible high performers from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own personal journey as a leading mindset coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a high performance mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week I'm joined by the amazing Sam Baines, who I had the pleasure of first interviewing over a year ago when she came in to talk about how she recovered from a life-changing accident. Sam was left fighting for her life in a coma with multiple fractures to her skull, brain damage, a broken back and severe damage to her arm when she slid off a mountain in Austria on New Year's Eve 2015. Since speaking to Sam, she has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest Base Camp, or Tube, what was it called? Tube Cal. Tube Cal, the highest mountain in North Africa. I wanted to bring Sam back because I wanted to talk to her a little bit more about her mindset. Having faced so many challenges and adversity where she's had to make life-changing choices, I really want to understand what goes on inside of her mindset that enables her to keep going. And so today we're going to get into an insight into Sam's high-performance thinking, looking at routines and strategies that have helped her through her recovery, but also to prepare herself to climb the biggest mountains in the world. So thank you, Sam. It's really lovely to have you back on the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thanks for uh, prompting me on that. I've been practicing <laughs> talking to you and I still got it wrong. <laughs> but no, it's awesome to have you on the, the show again. And um, as always, there's so much that I want to talk to you about. But for anyone um, listening who didn't hear your first interview, would you mind just sharing what happened on that fateful night on New Year's Eve 2015? Yeah, okay, so um, we were hiking up the mountain because my friend's boyfriend builds igloos to, st- you can stay in up top of the mountain. So we hiked up to have a look at them and then decided to sled back down. So we sled back down like a red run and then um, four of them got to the bottom of the mountain. They were like, where's Sam? And had to climb up and find me and I had gone off it got really narrow one place there was mountain one side nothing the other and I went 15 meters off the side of the mountain and I was there probably about two hours and they had to call mountain rescue wow. to get me off the mountain um then I was taken to Innsbruck hospital I had a broken neck four skull fractures three of the bones in my lower back were broken and my and nerve damage on my right arm um so in a coma for two weeks and then I was in hospital for about three months, had to learn to walk, talk, eat everything again. Mm. Um, and then I flew back to England and found my surgeon had nerve transplant surgery. And that's, and now, now I'm here doing, yeah. <laughs> doing climbing mountains and try not to fall off them again. <laughs> yeah. well, that, and, and that was such a, a, um, a brief overview of that. But I mean, it was a really intense period of your life Um, and very, very frightening, I can well imagine. Well, like, I I think it was really difficult because the the start of it, I wasn't in my right mind because I was so medicated, like, world was really 
my world. It yeah. was like, this is what's happened to you. Um, you're kind of a patient now. You're not really a human being. But yeah. And then I started to feel that I wanted to be more human, more myself. Mm. So I had to leave the hospital, go back home. But then once you leave hospital and you're in, in reality, you realise how really, how bad it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, if then, we could just rewind it a little bit, because you spoke about the fact that obviously you had these severe injuries and you were in a coma, but what you didn't mention and that I know, and I think it's really important to say is that you had a 30% chance of survival. And, seven. Oh, a 7% chance of yeah. 30% chance of being vegetated. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that in itself, like the fact that you had a 7% chance of surviving and I'm sitting here talking to you today, knowing that you've climbed these mountains that I can't even pronounce. Phenomenal. <laughs> and so, if you know, you were in a coma when you came round. Obviously, you realised that you couldn't walk or talk. Um, at what went through your mind? Because knowing you as I do, I know you're very driven. But as you said, you know, you woke up and suddenly you were a patient. Because what's also is that you work as a job, as a physio, helping people with skiing injuries, yeah. back injuries. And so all of a sudden your reality is, is totally turned on its head. Yeah. So can you just talk us through sort of what went through your mind side of like, you know, being very medicated with the enormity of the recovery? I think initially I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, and um, it's really difficult to remember back, but I remember um, when I didn't have any nurses or doctors or any family there, and I was on my own in the hospital bed, I just thought, this is like, how long is this gonna be for? Like, what can I do? Uh, even when I was really medicated, just what can I do to make this not be forever, not last long? Because mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not, I don't know where this has come from, maybe from a family history, but I'm not one of these people to to give up. I have my, like, I have too much that I want to do, too much that I need to do. And even, even when I was really medicated, the first day after coming out of the coma, I was telling the doctors that I was going to go skiing the next day. Like, <laughs> of course I was like, that was not going to happen. Yeah. But, there's always, there doesn't matter when it was going to happen, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And I have to put in those steps to make it happen. So I knew that I was really, really damaged, but I just was, I'm just really lucky that I have still got the drive and mindset that I had before my injury mm. to help me through the process. Yeah, yeah. So what routines did you have um, to help you keep focused, to give you that motivation and that inspiration to keep going. I mean, obviously, the fact that you are mentally driven will help, but that alone isn't necessarily enough. So what did you have in your armory that would help you to, to keep moving? So anyway, because it, only, it was only a year, a year before my injury, I started to change my mindset. 
because of things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. I wanted to change the way I was feeling about my life. Mm-hmm. And so I would start reading um, self-development books, start visualizing and manifesting, um, doing meditating, like doing my daily plans. And I realized that, well, not realized, that I could see that when I was doing that, when I was having that mindset, being put in a positive frame of mind, things that were, I wanted was, things that I wanted to happen were happening. Mm-hmm. So initially, obviously, when I came out of the coma and I was starting to recover, I didn't do it straight away because I forgot because I was thinking about how damaged I was mm. to start with. But then I, when I was in the hospital, in the rehab hospital, like trying to recover, I remembered that the year before those things were happening and well, these things would help me. And so I started them again. And I think that's what really helped me mm. change my mindset. Not, not just, it wasn't helping me physically, it was helping me mentally, but being mentally driven and strong would transfer into help me physically. Sure, sure, definitely. Did you have any particular routines though that you started off using that really kind of got you into that mindset or or drove you even more to Is take that, that step? Is that before or, or after my injury? Um, during your recovery. Oh, okay. Um, I, it was because I had kind of like in hospital, it's so regimented. You have certain times where food comes, certain times where your medication comes, certain times or de- and days where you have the physio, you have the hydrotherapy, you have your speech and language therapist. So I had to, so it wasn't just me, what I was doing with myself, um, to help to aid my recovery, it was good. <laughs> it was good because I was planning. <laughs> Hi, Max. <laughs> Max, goodbye. It was good because I was planning planning what I was doing for myself around those things that are happening in the hospital. So, and then that that helped because I was able to realize that okay. My breakfast to come this time I could read for 15 minutes for because I had I had break I had my brain was really damaged I mm. was I was struggling with sleeping I was struggling with thinking so much about things so I would was thing was having to cut things down so small and manageable like manageable like bite-sized chunks kind of thing yeah, of course. So um, I'd read for 10 minutes and then I'd plan my day, even though my day consisted of like food and medication and physiotherapy. It was still planned so that I could, it was, I think all the, what it was, it was me taking control back mm. because I thought I'd lost it at one point. Total, I mean, totally. And I think, you know, having that structure gives you some kind of routine as well, doesn't it? So in amongst all of the chaos that was going on with um, your recovery, with the brain damage, with everything else that was happening, you were starting to notice some sort of routine. And then in that routine, you could then add pockets of your own routine to fill in gaps. 
Well, uh, I'm I'm a diff I'm a I'm a difficult patient. I'm a terrible patient. I'm a female and I'm a physio. So yeah. I was going into the doctor's office every day to asking them about my medication, asking them how long I was having to be on it for, what it was for. I would I wasn't allowed to walk by myself, but I would get up and try and walk and fall over. Mm. Um, but I think you have to go through those things because then you you find out where your boundaries are. You find out what you're able to do. It doesn't take someone, well, someone with experience helps you by formulating it yourself, but you have to experience it yourself to find out where your boundaries are. Mm. Definitely. I think what's coming through for me is that obviously, you know, when you're faced with adversity and with life-changing situations like you were you have a choice don't you you're faced with choices of um do i give up and like th this just feels too enormous and like i'm not sure i'm going to overcome this or or you make the choice that i'm going to make sure i'm skiing again maybe not tomorrow like i was telling <laughs> the doctors but i will be leading a life as normally as i can possibly do like was there did you constantly have to reinforce that choice or when you made that choice was it that every action then reinforced it for you yes i think that's the, every action reinforced it for me and i think it all came from initially it, this doesn't come from thin air you have to it really it's, it takes a lot of drive and a lot of want but i think as well i came from my, seeing my mum how strong she was for all the pain and the heartache and all the like all the prognosis she had about going to die like she was such a strong person and it made me realize that only you have the ability to to make yourself the strong person that you want to be that you need to be only you have the mindset to control your life and your destination mm. yeah totally totally so what support did you have around you? Because ultimately, yes, um, you are the one responsible. But living in your world as you were in that recovery piece, what, what coping mechanisms did you have to, to manage your mindset so it was still on that choice of recovery rather than of giving in? I would just, I just wanted to be an old person again. Like I've spent my whole um, working life as a physio trying to stop people from being injured and get them better. So there's, there's always such a massive stigma on disability and people that are injured. And I, I wasn't thinking about that. I wanted to be a normal person. I wanted, I wanted to be myself. I wanted to be the girl that I was before my injury. And even though I know that now that's not going to happen, I, and that person's gone. But right then and there, when I had, when I was first recovering, that was the person I wanted to be again. And I wasn't gonna, I was gonna try my hardest to get there. So focusing on the outcomes that you want. Yeah. The what ifs, the buts, and yeah, you're yeah. gonna get there. Yeah. Do you know that that's so amazing, and it, that's that's a lesson in itself. Because all too often, when we're setting goals or when we're thinking about the things that we want to achieve, we always focus on um, the how we're going to get there rather than the outcomes that we want. And when we're like focused on this end result, 
your energy follows thought but if you're focusing on well i want that but how am i going to get there and i'm not sure how i'm going to get there quite right yet it becomes bigger but when just allowing your mind to for you to constantly be like i want to be like my old self again i want to be like my old self again and reinforcing that reminding yourself is allowing your mind to get you focused on that and then driving you to take the necessary steps physical steps and mental steps in order for you to become closer to that. Is that right? Yeah, is that, uh, totally. And every, every kind of self-development book I've read that has said about, um, you have to have the like visualization manifestation. As soon as you have the doubts, as soon as you have the like what ifs or the buts, mm. it goes, you have to have that mindset, have to visualize that it's already happening, that you've got, not just think it, you feel it. You have to have that thought process that goes through your whole body that's already happening because your consciousness is such a strong thing. Your mindset is the strongest thing in the world. And mm. I was just reading a book recently called um, The Source. And it it's a scientific reason behind why manifestation and visualization and affirmation, why it works. What mm. is the science behind it? What your brain is doing? why your consciousness is such a strong thing and why things will change if you have if you don't have those doubts don't don't have those worries mm. and it's, yeah. it's, it works totally and you again you've just touched on something that's very significant in in the difference between that high performance thinking part is the feeling you know you've got to feel it and too many people forget to connect to that feeling of it um, and it's that feeling that will just drive you that extra step because it just means so much more because you can physically feel it. But also as to momentum, because obviously you have the mindset of doing it and you'll have the kind of like, um, you'll be able to start doing it. But if you don't have that kind of, um, the, what did I just say? The, um, that word... The feeling momentum momentum if you didn't have the momentum it's really hard to carry on it's so hard but if you have that feeling that helps the momentum totally totally and so fast forward a few months having said to your doctor that you wanted to ski the next day <laughs> it didn't actually take you very long at all did it no it didn't it didn't um so I got back to England, found my surgeon, had the nerve transplant surgery. Then I went to Australia and climbed the highest, mount, highest volcano in Bali, like six, no, eight months after my injury. Wow. Then I climbed the highest mountain. No, I... I think I went skiing probably 13 months after my injury. Wow. Um, one of the mountain rescue guys, because um, they only get, get given names of who they take off the mountain, who they rescue. And one of them searched me on Facebook and found me and I said, Sam, you won't remember me, but I was one of the guys that got you off the mountain and how are you doing kind of thing. And so I met them and thanked them and they skied me down to where I was found and showed wow. me 
Wow. So yeah, 13 months after my injury. How did that make you feel? So people, so many people have asked for this, but it wasn't, it's not, I didn't have an emotional response when I saw mm. where I was found, apart from, wow, that's a long way down. Um, the emotional, because I was unconscious, there was, there's only an emotional response if you can remember, if you have that kind of mental vision. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't remember it because I was unconscious. Yeah. And I think your your body does your brain does that deliberately so you didn't have that yeah flashbacks. But the when I saw my physio and I saw the nurses and the doctors again, that was when the emotional response happened. Mm. <laughs> it was like but it was so good that they could see from where I was to what I was doing now what I'm doing now, climbing mountains, they follow my blogs, they see what I'm doing. Mm. And it's all because um, they 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 helped me. Yeah, they yeah. allowed me to be the stupid, um, hard patient that I was. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, it's that acknowledgement. And do you do you acknowledge how far you've come, or is that something that that you don't do? No, sometimes I have to because obviously we're being a female and we have. We have hormones that will ebb and flow constantly and whatever situation you're in, that will aid or like make it worse. Mm. So there are times, I am just a human, I'm just normal. There are times when I'm like, I can't do this. I'm really rubbish. I'm really bad. I wish I could do this. I, I'm how, I, I forget how far I've come. And I keep, I, I call my Instagram, um, profile is kind of my visual diary because I like to if I look back a year from now mm. a year before and I can see where I was and what I've been able to do like it it makes you realize how far I've come yeah like yeah. I, from in, even before my injury I was never this person that was a hiker never a mountaineer but now I can't think of anything better mm. but I think it's also, it's because I can. I was close to not being able to walk again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, you often hear that when people are so close to losing something, they when they get it back, it you know anything like that is going to transform you as a person. You're never yeah. going to be fully the person. Yeah. I've been reading so much about it. It's called post-traumatic growth, and there's been so much research in it, and how you can go through something terrible, but that can aid you to develop yourself into this amazing human being that I'm going to try and develop myself into. Yeah. You know, Post-traumatic growth is, is, is happens. And sometimes though, I wish that it doesn't have to be something traumatic happen for you to have that growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what book it was I was reading, but um, it was a, a book that had followed a lot of international sports people. Um, and, bizarre well not bizarrely but about 80 percent of them had all gone through some form of trauma and often it's that trauma like you say the post-traumatic growth that is your driving force but you know you said you were very strong-willed before obviously that stayed with you thankfully and that desire to have that normality and for you to live a, a normal life 
kept you going and then allowed you to start to create some sort of structure in and amongst that chaos. From leaving the hospital, as you said, you then went skiing six, uh, 13 months afterwards. But from the intro that I have just shared, you've climbed quite a few mountains since then. How do you, has the, the, your experience in your recovery helped you to prepare for climbing mountains? Yeah. Um, but also what other additional routines that do you have, mindset routines that prepare you? Because, you know, Mount Everest is not just your everyday hill. It kills people. It's like you've had a near-death experience and then you're about to climb to the summit of a mountain that takes life after life after life, year on year. What do you do to mentally prepare yourself and uh, to put yourself in that position, but to feel safe and to keep going? Um, I just realized that there was, there's always an adaption that I can make. There's always something, you can always, sorry, you can always overcome something. Mm -hmm. There's always an adaption that I can make. And you can have, and sometimes when I'm training, when I train for something, well, when I'm, when I'm training, when I go to the gym or go running, people ask me, what are you training for? And I always reply with life. Mm. I just want to be prepared for any eventuality. I just, of course, like eventually when Everest comes nearer, my training will be adapted massively. Mm -hmm. um, but I always want to be ready for anything. And if anything comes along that is harder or I have a thought that I might not be able to do it, that goes straight away because there's always a way that you can, you can always overcome something. It's always an adaption that can, can be made. You just have to find the way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, but I think so many people struggle with that. It's like sometimes when you can't see the wood through the trees, it just feels impossible. And it's having that conversation to remind yourself nothing is permanent and that there, there is always a solution. It might not be the solution that you think it's going to be, but there is always a solution. Um, and being strong enough and brave enough to chase after whatever that right solution is. Would you consider yourself brave? Yeah. I must be. Oh, stupid. <laughs> but like, don't get me wrong, there are times where I go up these mountains. Sometimes, most of the time, I'm like, Oh my God, it's so hard. Why am I doing this? This is, I'm in so much pain. Mm. Like I, I haven't got the energy, I haven't got the strength. But then I get to the summit or I get to the destination. All of that thought goes, mm. you get it completely. It's mm. amazing. And then you're, you and you do it again. <laughs> what is your why for climbing these mountains? Because you know, we can all set goals, but, but it's the why that gets us there because it's personal and it's meaningful to each of us individually. What is your why and how has that kept you going when you've been like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, a, my why is initially it was um, climbing something that tried to kill me. But also now, like the, the feeling that I get when I'm on the summit of a mountain or when I get to 
somewhere that I'm trying to get to on a mountain. Like it's, it makes you feel so grounded and so like part of something that's so much bigger than yourself. We're so we, I think people forget there's a massive world. We're just so minute with such a tiny, small part of it. Mm. But sometimes we're so narrow-minded and so focused on something so small. But it just makes you realise that you're part of something massive. Mm. And your worries are so insignificant sometimes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you said something quite interesting there when your original why was because you wanted to climb something that had almost killed you. Was it almost to get some sort of power back or um, control that, right, you can't, you almost took my life, but now I'm going to walk on all of you. walk all over you and rebuild yeah. it and come back yeah. stronger yeah yeah it's it's again isn't it it's just having those personal motivations that drive you and it's it's finding what that is to get you to to your a game getting you to to deliver and getting you to keep going because you know that's what really the mindset is all about we we are responsible as you said for everything that we do. We get in our own way, we get out of our own way. When you get out of your own way, that's when you open up into this world of opportunity. But that only comes from choices that you make and from your mind. And then physically the rest will follow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that and then when that physically follows, it reinforces your mindset as well again. It's yeah. like a, a, a circle. Mm, totally. Being um, a, a fan of life admin, as you say, and training for life, um, what does that look like for you? Do you have particular strategies that are your absolute go-tos that you know if you're feeling unmotivated, uninspired, unclear about things, you know exactly what to do? Or are, do you have a morning routine or a daily routine or practice that just allows you to remain on, you know, at the top of your game for you yeah. to do things. Yeah. Right now, I I wake up half five, go running on the beach for about do five k run on the beach for work for sunrise because of so I just that sunrise is the best thing ever. It makes you feel so grounded. And make the world is such a beautiful place. Mm. There's no cares in the world when it's sunrise. It's so quiet. So sunrise, 5K, then I work, um, and then I get back from work and I I read, um, at the moment, the source. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do a, um, a cycle to sunset, so I see the sun going down. And that's my routine at the moment. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're in lockdown, so it's slightly restricted, um, and we're adapting, hence my son just walking in. <laughs> that's just life Um, and I'm not editing it out people unfortunately because that's just life and I can't I'm not going to do it again but um but again it's that adapting isn't it like we are restricted to exercise we are restricted to what we can and can't do but that doesn't mean that we have to stop altogether Mm. it's just adapting to your environment and using what you have within you um and externally in order to to motivate you. I mean, obviously that's general life maintenance. When you are 
about to embark on your trek or your hike up to the mountains, do you have a particular morning routine that's slightly more intense leading up to that in order to turn your confidence on, your motivation on? Is there anything, like, do you have mantras or anything that you use to keep you kind of um, focused? I think with me is planning. I, so I start probably planning and organizing really far, far in advance mm. um, because I like things to be ready and I like to be prepared. So um, I do that and also I read, I still do my reading, but also visualizing being on the top of the mountain or visualizing walking, but it doesn't feel hard to me. Visualizing that I'm how how it's making me feel, um, and then it's fine. I think that's what I did with Everest because when I went to base camp, there were times leading up to base camp where my oxygen levels were so low, but I kept going because I think when like, when your oxygen levels low, things are really hard, and you're you you're breathing like you're breathing out of a straw. Mm. But I didn't feel that way. Things were hard, obviously, because my body wasn't getting the oxygen it needed. But it didn't. I didn't feel like I was there. I didn't feel like I was struggling. I just would stop every so often, get my breath again, and carry on going. I think that's what it. You have to do. You have to feel like it's already happening. Feel like you're doing it. So I would feel like I was on the mountain. I would Im imagine that I would. Go, go up the side of the mountain so easily obviously that doesn't happen but if you have that thought already you're halfway there and it calms your system down right yeah 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 massively how do you deal with fear though because fear i mean to to be told that you if we go back to the beginning where you had to learn how to walk and talk again then moving back to like climbing mountains where there is always that risk. How do you deal with the end result versus fear? I mean, there must be days or moments where you think like something could go wrong here. How do you flip it and reframe it back to focusing on the outcome that you want? It's weird because um, obviously I'm, I'm afraid, but I'm not afraid of, dying i'm afraid of being more injured and more disabled than i already am because that is the, that was really that's really hard, mm. really hard so but it doesn't it doesn't ever cross my mind because i think if it crosses your mind you're already kind of prompting it to happen kind of thing so i just don't think about it, it doesn't it doesn't happen i don't allow it to formulate in my brain Good, yeah. Which which is amazing. Are there any tips on that? Because there's so many people out there that would be, well, I'd love to not let fear formulate on my brain, but I don't know how to. Has that something that's come naturally to you before, or have you had to work on it over the years? Because fear is it is a nightmare. You know, it's the biggest thing that holds so many of us back. Um, yeah, it's not real. So like to, to have that um, almost disconnected emotion to it obviously is incredible because it just shows that, do you know what, I'm not going to even let it formulate on, in my way of thinking, I'm going to keep going. 
but did, that must have taken some sort of training, some sort of... Um, I think it's a combination of everything else. I think it's a combination of doing the visualization, manifestation, affirmations, life planning, being, being, being a massive organizer and planner, doing my fitness, eating well. I think it's a combination of everything. And I think as well, knowing that it's not the end of the world if something is wrong. This, if it happens, it happens. But you thinking about it is not going to stop it from happening. Mm. So just carry on. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. How do you protect your well-being? Oh blimey! Um, I don't know because there obviously there are times where, like I think we we were saying earlier, like where you will have a sudden really downtime and you'll feel really miserable and you'll start crying or something will happen and you, you can't handle it and it could be something really minute. But yeah. so you, can, you can't protect yourself 100%. There, unfortunately, as well as being females, we have these hormones and emotions that will literally go up and down constantly thank you body um, <laughs> we we can't stop that all we can do is prepare for the next time and if it happens you do what knows you will get you back on track again so with me i'm a comfort eater a massive comfort eater so if i'm feeling low i will eat like a whole thing of ice cream and I'll feel better <laughs> um, but I just think we can't we can't ever we can't stop it from happening it's gonna happen we just got to prepare for it yeah I think you know the thing is with well-being and stuff it's quite often we as humans tend to put ourselves last don't we and yet when we're striving to achieve and to be successful your well-being is just as important as your physical, you know, your mental well-being is just as important as your physical well-being. Um, and, you know, you said it's uh, just then, it's about, well, if it does happen, then kind of going back to your routine. And I think it's, it's more having the awareness of what works for you and what feels good for you and what, and tri that trial and error piece of um, getting yourself out of that funkiness by surrounding yourself with the techniques or the nurturing or the support, personal support, as well as um, external support that's gonna pull you through. I would like, and, and for if one thing works for someone, it doesn't work for everyone. So it is about the trial and error. It's about visualizing manifestation, meditation it might not work for everyone, mm. but you won't know until you try it. Yeah, yeah. Try it because Everyone is individual. Everyone has got their own power because we've all got it though. Just mm. got to find it. And I think that's the thing is that we all have our power and it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and assume because it's worked for them that it's going to work for you um, or feeling inadequate because it's worked for them and not worked for you. Yeah. Um, but what comes with each and every one of us is different experiences and different beliefs and all of that. And so it's like you say, it's finding our own unique power and using that. Um, whether it's through navigating through a pandemic like we are right now, which we were talking about before, 
um, or you know, navigating for you through your recovery from your accident versus um, planning for your know, mental and physical well-being for your mountain climbing. You know, it's again, it's personal power and personal uniqueness. But I think for me, from experience, certainly over the last few weeks, it's really about man being aware of what triggers you and then having a support plan in place that allows you to minimize the impact that that has on you. Yeah. Um, and doing it without judgment and then looking at what you can do. For example, when Jono goes shopping, I sanitize everything. I strip off, take all my clothes off, put them in the wash, go and have a shower. Whether that's extreme for other people, that keeps me pretty sane and keeps me pretty calm. So it's like looking for what feels good for you that's going to keep you calm, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and not being ashamed or judging yourself on that well-being piece because well-being is so important. And that's why I wanted to ask the question because quite often it's the forgotten about piece. And if you say, well, what self-care routines do you have? Very few people will wholeheartedly have a self-care routine. But they're the ones that really strive and are very successful. So it's like, it's making you be important and valuing yourself, isn't it? Yeah, you are the only person that's important. Yeah. You're, the, you're the most important person because if you say, for instance, you, Emma, you, if you do look after yourself and your well-being and you consider yourself as number one, mm. well then, if you don't, if, that, if you're not the number one, Max is gonna be affected, is gonna be affected. Yeah. So yeah, okay, we might have other people and, and children and friends and family members that we need that need looking after. Mm. If you don't start with yourself, they're all going to be affected. Totally, totally. And I say this a lot, you know, to, to my clients, because quite often people haven't got time to go for a massage or haven't got time to go for a walk or haven't got time to do something because I, I don't want to let other people down. And the, the, the harsh reality is all the while you push back on that, there's going to come a time where you're going to let people down because you've reached burnout. Yeah. So you can either have a 10 minute break, refresh, come back a far better person with clearer eyes, clearer energy, all of that, and really deliver. Or you can keep pushing and momentum and inspiration and action all start to dwindle. So yeah. it's giving yourself permission, isn't it? Are there times where you like, are you pretty good at giving yourself permission on the well-being front? Yes, but I, I used to, I never used to be. Yeah. Because I lost myself. I lost myself completely. I forgot what made me happy because I was so in tune with making other people happy. And mm. I lost, I was the most unhappy person ever. Mm. But now, obviously there are going to be times where you, that will be easier than, other times but you have to look after yourself like like I, like we said just a minute ago if you don't look after you first then everyone else is going to be affected mm. yeah totally totally so what motivates you what keeps your motivation going um can you pinpoint it to any one thing or is it a number of things i think it's a number of things i think motivation is um so massively faceted i think yeah i love to, initially you go through stages being a female as well like you want to be 
fit and you want to be certain size so your motivation comes um out of that doing fitness exercises because you want to be a certain shape or whatever but also my motivation comes from because i want to be ready to do anything to have someone turn around to me tomorrow and be like sam right we're going to this hike we're climbing this mountain tomorrow are you ready i want to be able to turn around and be like yes i've been training for this forever mm. so I, that's why i'm saying i'm training for life because mm. i want to be ready for anything and just because you get you get older as years go by. It doesn't matter as long as you are preparing for yourself. Yeah, and I love that. I think it's great to be preparing for life um, because, like you say, it opens up opportunities to that come to you that you perhaps haven't foreseen that you can then be ready for. Yeah, having having the mindset tools that you've spoken about that you use that it just shows that it's transferable it's not i'm not just motivated for hiking i'm not just motivated for this when you create a like a high performance mindset it's transferable into anything so when you're training for life um and managing your mindset for life that shows that literally when you put your mind to anything you can you and you've prepared for it you can do that yeah because even like because I'm I'm really good I'm a massive planner and organizer and I love my running in the morning so when I get to work I'm already so clear-headed I'm already planned I'm already organized I'm ready for my the day ready for to help my patients the best I can to help my other colleagues that work with me to give them the best help them have the best day that they can have mm. So you just got to, it doesn't matter what it is, you just got to be ready for anything. Awesome. Sam, it's been lovely speaking to you as always. And um, I love insights into, into your life and into the things that you've achieved. We've spoken about daily habits being that you love planning. Is there a quote or anything that is a bit of a life mantra for you or that you've found yourself saying in times of, inspiration or of motivation that just give you that little extra edge or that push there are no excuses there are no excuses there are no excuses there's always a way and if anyone is entitled to say that it's you (laughs) because you could have come up with so many excuses and you haven't and by living by that it's a choice isn't it i'm choosing to have no excuses and the the reason the only reason people do not do the things that they want to do is because of their excuses they've chosen to have those excuses yeah i love that that's freedom that's perfect sam it's been amazing thanks ever so much for um joining us if anyone wants to follow you on your blog um or on your journeys once we're out of lockdown and you start (laughs) traveling the world and climbing even crazier mountains how can they how can they follow you how can they get hold of you so my my blog is called um, Beauty in Tragedy. Um, yeah. com and my Instagram is Sam underscore Baines B A Y D S. Perfect. Well, I'll add both of them to um, to the the show notes. But um, if yeah, if anyone wants to contact Sam or wants a bit more inspiration, then. She is a, a lady that every time I speak to her, I come away feeling very inspired and very humbled. So truly appreciate it, Sam. It's been lovely having you on here again. Stay safe in lockdown. Stay and sane. You and your family. 
yeah and don't work too hard <laughs> and, uh, i'm sure we'll uh, we'll speak again very soon but thank okay. you so much That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.